0: And welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today it's Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open, 844 44 ag That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So again, it's Farmer Friday today. We're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a little bit. Right now, we're going to jump right to the phone lines. We've got Joel calling in from Oregon. Joel, how's it going today? Oh, well, pretty good. I'm trying to
1: fast some wheat.
0: All right. You sent in, you just emailed in some soil tests. Uh, do you want to ask, uh, let's start with just one question at a time. What, what's your first question? What's your biggest question you'd like to have answered on these soil tests? All right.
1: First question would be the J two field the one for grain hay. Yep, it's pretty deficient in a lot of things. I know the pH is kind of high. We're working on the on the drainage issue, but for this year, my question is: Could you ban a low salt like sulfate of potash in with the seed? Yeah, uh, we already banned our dry seed with the seed. But so my question is: Could you put a hundred elemental and say a hundred? Salt it, be the lower salt, but
0: okay. The okay so let let me ask you just real quick is this what crop are we talking about and is it irrigated
1: it'll be part barley for hay and everything's irrigated
0: okay so one of the big things that stood out to me joel as i look at your soil test here and especially that one there's a lot of sodium so how we get that much sodium is usually three different things we're looking at number one uh, over-application of manure, and I don't think that's what we're dealing with here. Number two, possible irrigation water that's not, let's see, how can I say this, um, what we would ideally like to see. Uh, but the other big thing is poor drainage, and you mentioned that. Uh, what what happens a lot of times is we get evaporation off that soil instead of the water moving down and through like it should so yes as you could get that as soon as you can get that drainage fixed that's really going to help because the problem is when that drainage isn't fixed the odds are this sodium problem is going to continue to get worse over time and it might not be that big an issue in the years you farm the ground but some somewhere down the road, somebody's going to have a major problem here unless we start getting that reversed a little bit. So specifically to this question, could you put in uh, like potassium sulfate in with the seed? Look, any potassium that there's going to be there, and we worry about this with sulfur too. uh, uh, Let's put it this way. Any fertilizer is really a salt. Fertilizer is salt. And as you have much salt at all near the seed, that's concerning to us. Now it's less concerning if you plant the seed with that fertilizer nearby and then you irrigate right after that because the water will help disperse it. Water will help get the seed germinated. So could you do a little bit? You probably can. And the other thing about that is I assume you're drilling this in let's call it 10 inch rows so that that spreads it out a lot more compared to those of us who are in 30 intro crops so is it worth a try yes just keep that rate really low and then you're okay but yeah I, I'm, I'm with you I, I'm looking at your soil test there are several things here that need to get addressed so I understand why you're concerned about that um, you just have to keep working on trying to build those levels over time and, and it'll get a lot better all right so did you have a and you had a question on the other field too right
1: correct it's uh, coming out of bluegrass going to Green corn. So my question is, you can see the the blend we're shooting for is a 120, 85, 60, 50, I believe. Yep. Would you would you think that that would be within safe realms to um, strip till in? You know, probably a week or so pre plant, and then we have to irrigate before we plant. Just kind of nature of the beast out here.
0: Yes. All right, so let me just rephrase, let me say this again so every, all of our listeners can hear this. What he's talking about is he wants to strip-till corn, and he wants to put in 120 units of nitrogen, 85 of phosphate, 65 of K2O potassium, and 50 of, I have to assume that's sulfur. Uh, and is that going to be safe to put in a strip-till about a week in advance? And he's going to irrigate? Yes, I I. I feel very comfortable that you could go ahead and do something like like that. We have done that many times. And by the way, cation exchange capacity does matter. In other words, how heavy the ground is and how much organic matter there is. His organic matter level on that particular field is about 4.8%. So that's really good. His cation exchange capacity is about 18. So it's not the heaviest of soils, but it's still, uh, you know, getting close to what we would consider heavy ground. So would I worry about that? No, I think you should be in good shape. Now, as I say this, I I, I just want to stress here that when I look at your soil tests, you are low on Uh, on several different things, like you had said with the other field as well. So I just continue addressing that. If you want to always be strip-till, that's fine. You just have to figure, hey, I'm not getting a lot out of the soil naturally because there's not a lot sitting there. So you do have to uh, fertilize pretty well. And throwing going a 120, 85, 65, and then 50 units of sulfur, that to me does sound pretty good. The only thing, if you're shooting for 200 bushel corn, you're probably going to be, or I shouldn't say probably, you might be a hair low on the nitrogen but you got a lot of organic matter and there will be a lot of nitrogen that'll come out of the ground for free when that organic matter is breaking down over the course of the summer so you might make it Um, you'll just kind of have to see as the season is progressing any other uh, questions joel anything else we can help you with nope
1: that'll be it i appreciate your time thank you you bet
0: yeah thanks for calling in yeah, we look at a lot of soil tests every day. I've got a number that, that we're going to get to hopefully here today if we get time for the Ag PhD mailbag. And we would encourage you, please, number one, take at least some soil tests every year. And when you do them, get complete tests. So in other words, don't just get N, P, and K, get sulfur, get the micronutrients, get calcium and magnesium, base saturation, pH, all those things. Really, really important. Oh, and sodium's a big deal, too. I see a lot of tests without sodium levels on there. you got to have that. Just like we were just talking about with Joel there, that was the key thing that we've got to look at long-term trying to alleviate or we're going to have more problems. Well, anyway, it's Farmer Friday. If you want to call in, 844-44-AG-PHD.
5: You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Flex Soybeans. Elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, it's Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you. If you want to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines. Got Zach calling in from Iowa. Zach, how's it going today?
6: Pretty good. How are you?
0: Excellent. So what's happening in your farm right now?
6: Oh, just kind of getting prepared yet not a lot of action going on yet now
0: getting some manure
6: hauled uh probably maybe do some seeding um maybe this weekend next week some alfalfa and oats and stuff uh we got some dirt work that's getting done right now and just not really crazy yet, but getting ready to be crazy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. So are things relatively dry in your area so you can get that dirt work done without a whole lot of problems?
6: Yeah, yeah. Um no, the it's pretty dry. Uh we've had some really high winds this week and it's really dried things up and a lot of sun. It's been relatively cold, but sunshine and winds blowing and I mean, there's still some wet areas. Kind of got to pick and choose, but I think by next week, especially this weekend, supposed to be temperatures supposed to warm up. (laughs) Things will be rolling. (laughs) Yep,
0: yep, that's for sure. Okay, so in Iowa, I was just looking at the uh, crop insurance planting dates. The first date for crop insurance uh, for early planting is April 11th. Are you planning to plant April 11th, or when is kind of your start date you would like to hit?
6: Around the 20th, I'd say. That's kind of our go-to. We do have some, I actually work for a a seed dealer also. And we got some customers that are, Wanting to try some early stuff next week, some beans and stuff. So
0: Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with beans. You're, you're the third person I've talked to now today that said, hey, there are people interested in my area in putting beans in next week. And I'm going, now wait a second. The early plant date for soybeans in Iowa was April 21st, uh, yeah. where I'm at in <laughs> South Dakota. It's April 26th. We're a long ways from that. Yeah. So I don't know why people are so excited about the bean thing. What I always well, tell... I think- oh, go ahead.
6: Yeah, I think it is because everybody's finding benefits planting beans earlier. I think people keep push each year, like, okay, they were really good this year. I planted this year. Let's pu- yep. keep pushing it back and see if we can stretch that. You know? yep. I, I, everybody's finding benefits. we got people with one planter now actually right. going out and doing a few beans and switching back to corn. And yeah. Finishing
0: them, so. yeah, and I'm all for starting early, but... To me, there's a little bit of a limit to it. And when I'm uh, over two weeks earlier than the first plant date, I just feel like... That's kind of pushing it a little bit, but, but you know, whatever. I, I've always told our guys on the farm, look, we're going to start the first day that we actually can for crop insurance. So, like for us, it's April 10th on corn. So, that's next Saturday. And I, I just say, look, I'm not expecting we get many acres in the ground, but I don't know if this yeah. is, it, it's been this way for you on your farm, but it certainly is on our farm. We always have the best intentions. And, oh, yep, the planter's all ready to go. Everything's ready to go. And day one, we get like 20 acres planted. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I always yeah, like man. getting day yeah. one on out of the way you know yeah yeah
6: no and we don't on our farm we're not pushing it that early my
0: wife sells crop insurance
6: so I, I'm pray I pray couldn't get away with it anyway so. <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah it's
0: like in our state with this uh April 26th date on soybeans all of a sudden they're going to be like a hundred thousand acres that just magically got planted on April 26th yeah, you know yeah, it's like yeah, uh yeah, yeah guys we're we're really pushing the date all right anything yeah. anything else happening anything else you're thinking about as you go into this spring here Zach um, no, I think we're just,
6: a lot of guys, I, we're focusing on beans, trying to, like I said, get them in earlier, not yep. extremely early, but that's one of our goals. Uh, sure. you know, we're sticking with the, sticking with the programs we've been doing. Uh, everything's worked. We, uh, put on, put on a little, uh, liquid in when we spray and then side dress with white drops afterwards. Uh, we got sure. some liquid manure to go on, okay. uh, yet so and all a lot of dry right now yeah manure getting that done that's been kind of got pushed back because we were really wet there before and then everything was froze before that
1: right
0: yep so yep well at least we're getting a fairly decent spring for that to happen it's been warmer than normal drier than normal so yeah hopefully you're able to get that work done here fairly soon hey zach Mm -hmm. uh, thanks a lot for calling in today really appreciate it best of luck to you this spring you bet thanks you bet Let's go next down to the state of Nebraska. Got Gilbert calling in. Gilbert, I hear it's windy down in your area today.
7: Yes, it is about forty <laughs> forty-five miles an hour. So I didn't know whether you want to talk wind or farming. They go hand in hand, I
0: guess. <laughs> they really do. So yeah, we're we're pretty windy up here today too. I think that it's gusting to thirty-five or something. But I mean, we've had a lot of that here in the last two weeks. I mean, there's one good thing. At least it's drying stuff out a little bit. I assume it's the same thing for you down there.
7: Right. We, about 10 days ago, we had an opportunity to put a uh, liquid in on for about five days. Now yeah. got five and a half inches of rain. Oh, wow. And now we're back out there the last two, three days, and we're finishing up on putting 32% down. And uh, we're hoping to get some chemicals on here in the next few days if the wind goes down where we can do that right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, in 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 terms of your farm this spring, are you planning on planting earlier than normal? You kind of looking at same same timing as normal for getting everything in the ground. What's it look like today?
7: I think we'll get in there at normal time. Yeah, like I said, we got chemicals to put on, and and uh, it's you know it's going to be probably that fifteenth of April by the time we are ready. Our soil temperatures are. And no-till bean ground are 46 right now, so they're getting up there.
0: Yeah, definitely.
7: Uh, and with 80-degree weather coming on, well, that'll give that a boost, I'm sure.
0: Yep, yep. So you you mentioned beans, and, and I know you're, I'm sure you're going to plant corn first, but I, I was just curious: are you planting extend beans or enlist beans, or what did you decide to do with trait on soybeans this year?
7: We went everything Enlist Beans this year. We tried a quarter last year, and so we are going 100% Enlist this year.
0: Oh, good. Uh, so, so it's a
7: new experience for us.
0: <laughs> so what what are you thinking about post-emerge? Are you going to use Liberty? Are you going to use the Enlist? Are you going to use them both? What's kind of your, your general plan? I, I realize it's early, but what's your thought at this point?
7: Yeah, the, the Liberty and the Enlist, you know, I can kind of leave it up to the boys. that have two sons in the operation, so I what they definitely are going to use, I couldn't say for sure, but I've heard them talk that.
0: Yeah, yep. Uh,
7: last year we had the co-op apply goes to that quarter that we, you know, tried to enlist on, and I don't know what we used there, but we had good luck with it.
0: Yep. So you got two sons back in the operation, you say. Uh, have they been back for a long time now?
7: Yes, they. Well, their sons, but you know, they're fifty,
0: fifty-five years old now, oh. and
7: I'm older than that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they've
7: been around since ninety-five, I guess. So,
0: yeah. Yep. 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 So long time. All right. Well.
7: Yeah, they have been,
0: and it, you know, it's like
7: every other farm operation. I think help is hard to come by, and so yep. they haven't fired me up because they can't find anybody else. See.
0: Yeah. And you know, the nice thing too is it, I assume it keeps you young to some degree. You got something to look forward to. You got a good job out there and it's, and it's your land you're working on.
7: Right. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Yes. That's what we need to
0: have. Yep. Yeah. I just remember for my dad, he uh, bought some ground from a guy who used to farm it and that, that guy worked for many years for my dad, just kind of helping him out in the spring and the fall a little bit, just so he could stay active and stuff. And he was just so Mm -hmm. excited to get back out on his ground again and everything. So yeah, it's, uh, the ground never really leaves you, even if you retire from farming, you're always thinking about that, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. It's,
7: Brought us a long ways, and you would just like to see it uh, the next generation take a hold and go with it.
0: Yep, yep, that's for sure. Well, hey, uh, Gilbert, thanks a lot for calling in today. Uh, we'll hope that that wind dies down for you a little bit. You can get some more of your work done out there, and uh, best of luck to you this spring.
7: Yep, thanks a lot. Same to you.
0: You bet. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, these winds in our region have been a little bit nuts here lately. So, in My area of South Dakota, and southeast South Dakota, the windiest months are March, May, and October. So I'm certainly hoping here in April we get a little reprieve one of these days from some of these winds uh, because it does make it a little bit challenging. We have also been trying to spray off and on for over a month now, and most days we just flat out can't spray because it's too windy. So hopefully uh, some of these days will calm down a little bit. Well, we're going to get back to the phone lines after this break and we'll get to some of your questions coming up later in the show here on Ag PhD Radio.
5: When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the enlist weed control system just better with no ifs ands or buts discover better weed control enlist.com enlist.com
3: with stronger bean prices ahead don't let white mold reduce your yield and profits again this year Contans WG reduces sclerotia in your fields eliminating white mold at the source white mold was a major problem in 2019 costing soybean farmers valuable yield potential as you rotate back into those white mold-infected areas this spring, protect yourself by applying Contans. Clean your soils and return lost yield potential to every soybean you plant with Contans WG.
4: Pentair Hypro 3D Nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D Nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator closing wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed to soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com.
5: Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew. And we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions morton provides great pay and training so be a part of the next generation to build morton don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com
4: no matter what time of the year it is on your farm with a bear plus rewards program earning and redeeming rewards are always in season because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cash back rewards, cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit mybayerplus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions
3: for full details. When it comes to trusted herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. And you certainly know New Farm exclusive, Weedmaster. For decades, Weedmaster has been the go-to herbicide for consistent burndown weed control in a huge variety of crops, and in range and pasture management, too. Don't let yield-robbing weeds stand in the way of your progress or profits. New Farm and Weedmaster Herbicide, here to help.
0: Thanks for listening today to ag phd radio i am brian hefty broadcasting from the morton studio today it's farmer friday if you'd like to call into the show our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD that's 844-442-4743 or you can send me an email radio at agphd.com we're going to jump back to the phone lines again going to the state of wisconsin now got dick calling in hey dick how are you today Pretty good. Yourself? Not too bad. So I hear it's your 50th anniversary of farming this year. Yes,
8: it is. So, a milestone.
0: <laughs> yep, it is. So uh, what are the biggest... Uh, uh, here, let me let me see if I can phrase this properly. A lot of things have changed in the last 50 years in farming. What are maybe the top two or three three things that have changed over those 50 years that you like best?
8: Uh, the tractors with cabs on and you can get more done compared to the horses
0: <laughs> so you did start farming with horses
8: oh yes we had horses on the farm my dad had um, six horses so I got to start with them
0: <laughs> all right tra-
8: quite a, quite a change.
0: what's quite that a change. oh yeah huge change That's okay a- so tractor with cab is number one for you uh, what, what else anything else that really stands out to you
8: Oh, and uh, everything. I mean, choppers, we chop with trucks, and it's just amazing what what you can get done in a day, even the tillage equipment. Yeah. I'm I'm out in the field today, and man, you can get a lot done in a hurry.
0: Yep, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I think about just the horsepower that we have today, and you go from literally horses to massive horsepower, and all that you can get accomplished in a day, it is, uh, it's is—it's pretty unbelievable. But yeah, I, I was just thinking the other day, too, about, I mean, even my grandparents that would have been born in the very early 1900s, and I mean, they didn't have running water, they didn't have indoor bathrooms, or I mean, in some cases, electricity, and it's just, it's crazy how much it's changed in just a couple of generations.
8: Right. And that's why I say, I mean, I think back of all what I've seen in my life, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, it's just an astronomical jump. All right. So let's talk about farming just a little bit. How are things looking out in your area in Wisconsin? Um, are, are you looking toward a dry spring here, early planting, or, or what are conditions like? Yes,
8: we we are right now. We are very dry. We didn't have much snow, and uh, very little rain. the The fields are really dry right now. But the only thing is, what we're trying to do is get ground worked up for um, oats and peas and for alfalfa. Sure. But the the the, the dryness is really bad up here.
0: Now, you say it's bad, but, I mean, do you guys sometimes struggle with getting stuff in in the spring because it's cold and wet? I mean, are you happy that it's warm and dry at this point?
8: Ah, we're not warm. We're only 45 degrees today, and it got down to 21 last night and the night before seventeen.
0: Yeah, we had just a couple of days that were really cold, too. I'm guessing you're going to get our weather about tomorrow. I mean, things are really starting to warm up here, so I don't know what your forecast looks like, but, I mean, it's looking a lot better.
8: I took a temperature of the soil this morning. Nothing that was worked up. It was 36 degrees.
0: Yeah, yep, and that can change pretty fast. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get a little sunlight and everything and things will be coming soon. So you you mentioned... Oh, go go ahead. and,
8: And like... Like for small grain, and alfalfa, you know, alfalfa, you don't have to have real warm soil, and that comes up pretty good.
0: Right. Yep. Absolutely. So, do you put in a little bit of alfalfa every year, and kind of keep rotating things around?
8: Yes, we got a, a dairy, and um, we're, we're dairy and grain up here, so we've got quite a few animals to feed, so we put in a lot of alfalfa, and we take the, the oats and peas off, and then we come back in and uh, plant uh, silage corn into there.
0: Oh yeah, that's a good idea. So, how late does that end up being? I mean, when when are you able to get the oats and peas off?
8: Um, I in mid mid June. Yeah. We don't even it get real tall, you know. Not all headed out. Sure. Or the the peas blossomed out. So it, it's fairly early, and the even the corn at the end before we chop it is already dented.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, Dick, it's been great talking to you today. Congratulations on 50 years of farming. That's uh, that's quite an accomplishment. And uh, we just want to wish you good luck here as you go into the spring.
8: Well, thank you. Talk to you later another time.
0: All right. Sounds real good. All right. Let's head up north of the border. We're going to go up to Cody up in, uh, now we've got Alberta and Saskatchewan. Cody, where are where you at? Uh, which province are you in there? Uh, well, I'm I'm in Saskatchewan. Okay, um, I'm
9: so I'm so close to the Alberta border. We just just more or less say uh, north of north of the Alberta Saskatchewan border from the states about two hundred miles, and that's about
0: where, where I am here. Oh, okay, so. you bet.
9: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I, I, I heard you yeah. sent in a soil test earlier today. Yeah, I did.
9: Yeah, I did. I was just wondering if you guys had maybe had a chance to take a look at it. I'd sent it, told Janelle or whatever that uh, I'd sent one in there earlier, but I'm just more or less was wondering, you know, if uh, you guys took a look at kind of my soil type or whatever and see, you know, what is the elephant in the room there, more or less, about <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> gotcha. what I'm hey. lacking. Hey, hey Alex do we have uh, Cody's soil tests I don't know if I'm seeing that here uh, I, I've got I, I got a bunch of stuff printed out and I don't mm-hmm. I didn't I don't think I saw anything in my email so anyway Alex go back and and check an email and send it over to me quick if, if you see that uh, was there anything specifically that that you were wondering on the soil tests, or just you want me to look at it and uh, and just give you a general idea
9: yeah I just like you know, to take a look at it and give me a general idea because, I mean, it's it's fairly kind of typical of a lot of my soils. It might be a little lower in organic matter and my potash. But some of my fertility levels are a little bit lower than some of my other fields, but there's a little bit of different management going on. Got cattle running on some of it and feeding a lot of crop and everything back onto it. So we get, you know, a little bit of nutrient buildup there as well. But um, this is more you know, bare farmland where we don't have any cattle running on it. And it's kind of typical of some of my, what I call my, my real farmland or whatever, but sure, um sure. it's, um, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried about my potash depletion more or less than anything. Like, I mean, we were, we were looking at a thousand pounds available potash for many years and all that. And, um, and, um, the biggest thing was is, you know, we'd, in our area we don't really use any potash at all and it's yeah we've always had such high availability but now it's starting to you know in the last 13-15 years we've been we've been growing pretty (laughs) pretty big crops
7: right
0: (laughs) yep i hear you we ended up with the same thing it's about 20 years ago on our farm and you know for years the university and everybody told us oh don't put any potassium on We got all kinds of it in the soil, but what they neglect to tell you is, well, yeah, but most of what's in the soil is in the form of a rock and is not going to come available super fast. And so we ended up depleting a lot of that and we got our soil levels so low that we were really hurting our yields. So we've been putting on mm-hmm. crazy amounts of potassium here, especially for about the last 15 years now. And now we got everything built back up again, good. So now we're in good shape. Yeah. But yeah, in the meantime, we were having lodging issues and grain quality issues, and you name it. So um, oh, and uh, let, let me ask you quick because we're not finding your soil mm-hmm. tests. Uh, did you send them okay. to radio? Did you send them to radio at agphd.com dot com or where'd you send those?
9: Oh. Gosh, it was it info to egg PhD? Maybe I, okay. I sent it to. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, yep, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll check. Uh, I'll have Alex check during our yeah. commercial break here, and we'll see if we can find those for you. Oh, sure. And, and, uh, yeah. Anyway, so coming back to this potassium thing, the two things we're looking mm-hmm. at, number one is parts per million, but number two, which is usually the bigger factor in your region because your soils are usually pretty heavy. Um, I mean, yeah. for the farmers I work with up in your area. Um, and yeah, they're it's, very heavy. Yeah, it's just base saturation potassium. We like seeing that base saturation K over 4%. And so to get there, Mm -hmm. that means a lot of times we're talking 400 to 600 parts per million on... Uh, potassium and so it's to the point uh-huh. where a lot of soil labs and even universities will say oh that's that's really high and i go not really because we got so much stinking calcium and magnesium in our soils yeah if we don't get the potassium up what happens is we're yeah. constantly short in our plant tissue analysis so anyway cody yes. uh if you want to hang on you certainly can otherwise yeah, sure. we'll we'll uh we'll see if we can find your tests here right after this stay tuned High-yield growers know that bringing in big bushels means establishing excellent
4: emergence. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from FarmShop MFG. The Germinator's spike design excels in variable soils and eliminates sidewall compaction. But what makes the Germinator unique is its inner rim shoulder firmer, which encases the seed with soil, maximizing seed-to-soil contact. It's not just any closing wheel. Reach your yield potential at farmshopmfg.com. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions step it up this season. Do more than just keep your soybean fields clean with Authority Supreme or Authority Edge herbicide from FMC. Walk those clean fields with pride and enter for your chance to win a $500 Cabela's gift card. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at step it up with fmc.com. Always read and follow label directions for use. Void will prohibited. Must be a legal U.S. resident and age of majority in your state to enter. See official rules for terms and conditions.
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Today it's Farmer Friday. If you want to call into the show, we would love to visit with you, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Cody did. Right before the break, we were talking with Cody from up in uh, Saskatchewan, and he sent in some soil or a soil test to us, and I finally got that information. So uh, thanks for sending that, Cody. You want the good news first or the bad news
9: I don't know either way.
0: <laughs> okay. Here's the good news. Um you've got relatively heavy soil, 19 CEC, you have 4% mm-hmm. organic matter, and your soil pH is good at 6.4. So yeah. I like all those things and when I look at those yeah. three factors right there that tells me, you know what? we can raise some pretty decent crops. Okay, now here's unfortunately the bad news. Um, You're (laughs) low on almost every single fertility thing that we can think of. So your your nitrogen was at 6 parts per million, phosphorus 8.7 parts per million, sulfur at 7 parts per million, boron a half part per million, copper 0.7, zinc 1.2. So all those things need to be increased. And then we get to the potassium that we were talking about before the break. You're at 2.7 percent base saturation k oh i I did have one other piece of good news your sodium level is only at 0.7 so that's actually perfect uh but but yeah Yeah. i I mean it's just it's it's to add and and where the first dollars really should go in my opinion would be phosphorus and potassium spend your money on phosphorus and potassium and you got to get some sulfur out there and then you know if you have dollars left spend at least a little bit on zinc and copper and boron because all those are at critically low levels
6: Mm
7: mm-hmm
0: Okay. So, I I I mean your your soil's good. It's just, yeah. Y- I mean, you got got to unfortunately have to put some dollars to it. And I, let me let me say yeah. this too, Cody. Uh, we've had soil tests when we first started. Uh, when we first have gotten pieces of ground that have looked much yeah. lower than this, worse than this. However you want to say it, it just it it, yeah. it takes just a little dollar investment, and then you start heading down the right path. And you don't have to get up to crazy high levels day one, but you need to be at mm-hmm. least on a a little bit of a build program put a little bit extra out yep. there because as little as is in your soil you can't count on hardly anything coming into your plant other than what you're going to apply
9: exactly and like that's what I thought it was you know we I know full well this this particular field is you know on the home section and sure. uh, it you know being with having cattle you, you tend to take the straw fairly frequently yep. and I've Yep. Been, I've put a I've put a kibosh on that here, and uh, <laughs> putting everything back more or less to try and right the ship there. And sure. but yes, you know, and that, that's typical. I mean, my organic matter is only four percent, and it really in our our neck of the woods that um, better fields are probably more into that five to six.
0: Yeah, but even so, oh, four four is really good. I mean, there would be a lot of people mm-hmm. listening to the show today that would say, wow, if I yeah. could get 4% okay. organic matter, I'd love to have that. So that's certainly not yeah. bad yeah but uh, and and, and since you mentioned that on the home place I just I gotta tell you a quick story so back this is I don't know 15 18 years ago something like it might have been 20 years ago now and anyway I just remember there was a day where my dad came in and he was talking to my brother and me and he goes boys you know what I've been putting all this fertilizer out for a lot of years and I'm getting about ready to retire and I think it's time I start mining that fertilizer out of the ground (laughs) and I'm like, well, wait a <laughs> second here. We're going to farm the ground after you're gone. So why are you doing this? And he goes, well, I think it's going to be really good profitability-wise. And it sure was for a couple of years. Yeah. But he continued doing that, and he really got some of our ground depleted. And so oh, yeah. anyway, here's here's my story for you. So when, we, when he turned things over to us uh, on this ground that he owned, um, we worked out a deal. So we were share renting it not cash renting it, mm-hmm. share renting it. So you know what that means. That means he has to pay part of the yeah. fertilizer bill. So yeah. I, my, I was talking to my brother that fall and he goes, what, what are we going to do with this ground of dads that he's got totally depleted? I go, Darren, don't even worry about it. I don't even want to incriminate you because I got a plan. And we had <laughs> truckloads of fertilizer coming in and I waited until my dad, he was going to go south for the winter. So he went, to, he went all the way mm-hmm. to Arizona. And then I, I found out his address and I sent him the bill and I got a phone call like a few days days <laughs> later he got the bill and he goes Brian I, I think you sent me the wrong bill I think I got the whole fertilizer bill for the whole farm yeah. and I go no dad that's just your share for your ground and I'll, yeah. I'll leave out the rest of that conversation because we're on the radio right now but he proceeded to chew <laughs> me out and he did for months on end until that fall and yeah. he had the best yields he'd ever had so anyway exactly. it just yep I, I mean it can turn around really quick so anyway yeah no, uh, that's
9: a big thing. I know we do grow a fair bit of, we try it in our, more of our rougher land and our more fenced off land. We do grow a fair bit of grass and alfalfa in the rotation. and Sure. I mean, like, that's what my biggest thing was, is when a guy does put down the alfalfa, last year, I guess I, I put a fair, quite a lot of S15 down with it. Yep. Um, and, but I know darn well, that I mean, my potash is, my potash levels are, are kind of, cratering more or less and i guess if a person is to go and you know put in an alfalfa crop or whatever you should be doing a you know, a good old salt and pepper blend on it, as they call it, to try and bring it back up or whatever, but... Um, yeah,
0: and let me give you one other thing to think about. When when you talk about alfalfa, take a look at how many tons, what's your goal for the life of that stand? Let's say, just as an example, let's say it's four years and, you know, whatever, you're hoping to get four tons a year, just I'm throwing it out there. And so you sure. multiply that out, you go, okay, I got 16 tons. Look at how much 16 tons is going to remove. And... If you can afford it, I would really encourage you, and I, I say this to everybody who grows a perennial crop, try to put it all out up front. Because like in your yeah. environment with that heavy soil, you're never going to lose your P&K. It's never going to happen. Get it down in the ground oh gosh, no. where where that alfalfa needs it, and now you don't have to th- try throwing some out later because it never pays off as good because it can't get down no. in the ground very well. So anyway, just Isn't something for you true? to think about. yeah
9: yeah no for sure, but yeah no we're pretty we're pretty dry this year up here, you know compared to the last fifteen years, so yep. she's not maybe not as bad as you guys down south there in places, but uh it's uh a lot less runoff than there has been for a lot of years, so guys yeah. are a little bit a little bit uh getting worried right now, so
0: Yeah, I know. We've got some of that going on here, too, where we farm in South Dakota. But I always tell guys, you know, it only takes a few timely rains and you're going to be fine. Exactly. And, I mean, you mentioned wet for you guys in the last 15 years. For us, the last three years have been, well, up until about halfway through last year, we were unbelievably wet. We had a record rain or a record Precip amount in 2018 and when in yeah and once you know what in 2019 we beat that it's like oh my goodness the wettest year ever and then we beat that well you can imagine how terrible things were and a lot of acres didn't get planted or even if they did you got replants and oh the guy's getting stuck and it's just and you know it's hard
9: and you know the funny thing is that like what you know and like i've heard stories of like uh, you know, places down in the states where I mean, the the average rainfall would beat us by a big time. But it's like, um, you know, it, they, they, it being that it's so much warmer and more right. um, able, you know, for the for it to evaporate off so much. Like what we get, what we would get, it you know, enough rain to grow a pretty reasonable crop would be a failure for a lot of you guys just because we don't have that evaporation, right?
0: Well, we're in about the same boat you're talking. We only get about 22 total inches of precip. And when I tell farmers that are two states south of us that, they're like, oh my goodness, we would have burned (laughs) up by June with that little amount of rain. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And our humidity levels have been really good. Even last summer, we we didn't have a decent rain after July 5th last summer. I mean, we've only had maybe, yeah, maybe eight total inches of precip counting the snow and everything since July 5th last year that's it but our humidity levels have been decent and so you know really the crops turned out pretty good last year and we're we're sure looking forward to this year
9: yeah no that's the biggest thing what kills us here is like we don't you know can miss out on some early spring rains and then it's kind of hard on the grass and right the, right you know older hay crops and everything and they always pack it in if it's a pretty new hay crop it it's pretty respectable but anything that's a little old so a lot of us you know we don't really totally depend on on hay it's a lot of you know, guys that do the silage or else maybe the, sure you know, a cereal green seed crop, oats and barley, or even wheat. Yeah. You know, something like that it makes makes up for the difference of it or whatever. But, yep.
0: All right. Um, well, hey. Canola and all that, it was handled it, so. Yeah. Well, hey, Cody, it's been yeah. great talking to you today. Really good appreciate it. That. And, uh, yeah, good luck with all the fertility stuff up there.
9: For sure. Thank you.
0: You bet. Thanks. All right. Stay tuned. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag right after this.
4: Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet, however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash
5: farm your way. Are you worried about nitrogen loss this spring? Well, we asked retailers what they thought about Instinct Next Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer from Corteva AgriScience. What they said was so inspiring, we got an actor to reenact it. <coughs> it's a great return on investment. A great return. Investment, investment, great return. All right, I think I'm ready to record. Uh-oh. It's that simple. Instinct Next Gen is a great return on investment because it protects your nitrogen. Learn more at protectnitrogen.com.
4: A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DelaroComplete.us today.
2: Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin.
0: Our first question in the Ag PhD Mailbag time is from Ed in Indiana. He says, can you rank corn planter performance options from most important to least important, such as spacing, down pressure, starter, that kind of thing? Uh, oh, and by the way, in both no-till and conventional till. All right, well, Ed... I, I it really varies depending on your conditions out there and residue and everything else so let me just tell you in my opinion what I feel is most important from a planter to me number one is depth if you don't have the right depth you got a real problem you will absolutely not even come close to maximizing yield if you get your depth way off so what we're looking for is a consistent depth so somehow some way that to me is number one number two is is seed to soil contact. So when you talk about, I mean, like row cleaners, for example, is that necessary if it's conventional till? Well, not nearly as much as if it's no till. Okay. So I don't care exactly how you get this accomplished, but in the end, we've got to be able to have good seed to soil contact. That's right behind depth. Okay. The third thing would be spacing. And there, I, I realize there are a lot of people talking about the spacing and having spacing just right and that, that's so important. I've never really seen that. Um, we, we do a lot, of, a lot of research work. We try a lot of different things. Is spacing somewhat important? Yes. Is it more important than depth? Not even close. Is it more important than seed to soil contact? Not even close. And then the last thing on the list for me is going to be fertilizer. But that really depends on if you have high or low soil tests. So, for example, let's say you've got your ground really loaded up. I mean, it's great on fertility at zero to six inches and maybe even below that. Does planter fertilizer help you a lot? In that case, no. If you had completely depleted soil where there's like nothing out there for fertility well then all of a sudden fertilizer moves up the list a little bit because you have no other fertility so you've got to somehow some way get fertility to those plants but yeah as far as it being on the planter that's going to be last behind all those other things to me at least all right good and interesting question by the way Okay, next one comes from Chris in Nebraska. He says, I have strip-tilled my corn ground and drilled no-till beans for the past 12 years. Well, this year, I'd like to use my planter for beans and first strip-till that ground also. My question is, should I strip to a four to six inch depth instead of my usual eight to 10 inches? Uh, And with corn, I apply 40 gallons of liquid fertilizer but plan on five gallons for beans. Okay, so anytime we start talking spring strip-till, we usually shallow it up. The reason why is because it's hard to get it dry enough, deep enough, by the time you want to plant. So to think that we're going to go clear down to 8 to 10 inches deep, I I usually don't recommend that in the spring. My other concern gets to be there could be more settling the deeper that you go with that strip-till machine. So yes, I probably would go to that 4 to 6 inches deep. Uh, Putting 5 gallons out for beans... It's probably going to be okay. We just have to be much more concerned about beans than we do with corn with any fertility because beans are a lot more sensitive. But most likely, you're going to to end up being fine with that. Okay, uh, next one, and I don't think I have a name on this one. uh, Talking about zinc in crops. And this one asks... uh, and, And says, I've followed you guys over the years, whether we're talking zinc, phosphorus, potassium, or copper levels. How do you know after you've applied a fix type level of a product if it's even there? Will a soil test indicate it immediately? two years later? how? I mean, how long does it take? And for a fixed level, what I'm talking about for me would be like uh, 30 part per million increase in phosphorus, 300 part per million increase in K, five part per million increase in zinc, etc. Uh, so what do you do on your farm to confirm these types of application levels worked? All right, well, m- the first thing that we are concerned about is yield, because at the end of the day, honestly, I don't really give a rip what my soil test says. I care about my yield and my profit. So if I do that and I'm getting good yields, then I'm going to feel pretty good. That's number one. In order to kind of verify that all these nutrients got out there, well, first of all, I will just tell you, we spread all our own fertilizer so I don't have to trust that somebody actually put the fertilizer on or did they not? We know because we did it ourselves. But anyway, to verify it, yeah typically we apply most of our fertilizer in the fall other than nitrogen and and sulfur and maybe a little boron that we'll do in season but i mean things like p and k and zinc that's all done in the fall and then we'll soil test again the next fall and it's usually there the potassium though is the one where sometimes that might not be there the zinc for us is always there we put on zinc sulfate it's always there the next year Phosphorus, always there the next year. I, I mean, if, if there was going to be any left, it's there. But it's the potassium because when you think about, well, just put some potash in your hand. I mean, wash your hand off afterward, but put your put some potash in your hand and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, it, it's like a rock, so it doesn't break down super fast. Some years we are really, really dry. And if we put on a lot of potash, especially in some bands or something like that, it doesn't always show up the next year. Sometimes it takes two years before all of it shows up. But yes, we just look at soil tests and we'll also look at plant tissue analysis in some cases as well to verify that what we put out is getting into the plant. All right, next one is from Raul who asks about uh, potassium and lodging and just... Um, How can you explain lodging a little bit more and how you overcome that? Okay, so when we talk about lodging, what we really mean is that the plant tipped over. We see this most commonly in corn, but we see it uh, very often in small grains, sometimes in soybeans. The number one factor for this is lack of potassium. In terms of other nutrients, copper and manganese are also key to stock quality, but potassium is by far and away number one. Now, if you have good potassium levels and you're still having lodging problems, then I would be looking at copper and manganese. But other than that, I am concerned about drainage and compaction. Because if you don't have good drainage, then your roots aren't going to grow deep and give you good base. If you have compaction, same kind of thing. Your roots aren't going to grow deep and give you a good base. So there are several things that go into this. And lodging, unfortunately, can really cause some major issues. Ask anybody who went through the derecho last year in Iowa, or it's, we had the exact same thing in South Dakota the prior year. Uh, you know, if they didn't have all these other things right, then we had a lot of stuff on the ground. And in some cases, there's nothing you can do. Some, in some cases, the wind's too much, and, and there's nothing you can do. But as much as we can control things, we want to control them on the farm. Oh, there is one last thing that I'll throw in, too. Reducing population. So we do that with small grains, especially in order, to, um, in order to reduce the lodging or pick shorter varieties, things like that. So yeah, many different things you can do to reduce lodging and that is important. All right, next one comes from Robert in Illinois. He asks, what's your recommendation for moving strips in my strip till? Should I go back and forth every 15 inches or do control traffic, stay in the same strip? What do you suggest? We are in a corn-bean rotation. Well, Robert, I'll just tell you what we do because we do some where we strip till every year and we'll go from corn to beans and rotate uh, that way. Uh, We typically move over 15 inches. Now, you don't have to. Uh, It's just it's not super fun if you're trying to stay on the same row. Now, there are a lot of guys who've done what what's called ridge till, but then they really move a lot of dirt. It I, I Just think about it. it's not such a big deal with the soybean uh, stocks that are left, but the corn stalks, I, I mean, we've got huge corn stalks now, and to try to bust through that right after harvest when in some cases those stalks are still a little bit green down at the bottom it just doesn't work very well so you don't have to go all the way to 15 inches like in that case even if you went over five inches or seven inches you certainly could do that and then go back and forth a little bit but yeah we have typically gone over 15 inches and the main reason why is just so we can get Um, Really good seed-to-soil contact. We were talking about that just a little bit earlier in the show. And we have fewer problems moving residue away. Now, I will say this. Let's say you're now in year three. So you started, you're in 30-inch rows, you go over 15 inches, then you come back to year three, and now you're in where you had corn two years ago you may not have been able to break down that that residue very well from two years ago. If you haven't, I would look at some other things. I'd look at drainage. I'd look at your overall fertility program. I'd look at biologicals, your soil life, and all those things because stuff should have broken down by then. But if it hasn't, you're probably not going to want to be exactly where you were two years before. You're still going to want to be over just a little bit just so, again, you're dealing with less residue and you get better seed-to-soil contact with whatever you do choose to plant. Uh, thanks for that question, Robert, really appreciate it. All right. well, before we go, I just want to say thanks to Alex. Yesterday I uh, called him Janelle, which was great. That's my sister, and she usually she often runs the controls for us. I wasn't looking and here it was Alex running stuff and not Janelle. But anyway, thanks, Alex, great job today. Uh, and thanks to everybody who called or wrote in with questions. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more AG PhD radio.